Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome to Nosebleeds WFUV's Baseball Podcast. My name is Sam Davis. Here is Ryan Gregware. They trusted us to just do the two of us for a show like this. Sometimes we have three. Today it's just two. You know, Mets beat reporter, Yankees beat reporter. We're going to take you through both those teams. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, we're in person here yeah. and I'm fired up. You know, we're getting back in the swing of things. School starting. That also means, Sam, the baseball season. We'll get into all that with the Mets and Yankees. And you said, you know, they trusted us with two. Let's let's have them, you know, make sure that they made the right decision. Yeah, let, let's let's reinsure them with that. And it's great to be in person for those that don't get a chance to see us. Obviously, a podcast here. It's awesome to be with you. And let's start with the New York Yankees. Who, who they split with the Oakland A's. And I want to ask you right off the jump here, are you happy with the split there in that series? So let's just go over the last week because yeah. it was a big one. You know, the, the Braves, you had a two-game series, then four in Oakland. The Braves went into the series winning nine straight. Both Yankees and Braves had nine-game win streaks yeah. going into it. So this wasn't like a pushover or anything. This was a team that was red hot. Um, and I think I believe on the last podcast, I was on last week, previewing this week, I said I would take three and three for the year. A few reasons. One, Braves, two-game series. It's hard to speak those sometimes. You're on the road this whole time. Like, I'm fine with the split right? yes. uh, in Atlanta. But that is the series where they, they did win both games. And it came down to some intense plays at the end. You know, full count, up one, Freddie Freeman, bases loaded. You're able to get out of it, steal a game in Atlanta. You head to Oakland. You win the first two games of the series. And I think that's important because – Splitting in Oakland, all things considered, is fine. You know, you gained, you had ground on them because of your last week and a half. They lost five in a row, I think, you know, at some point in the series. Yeah, that wasn't going to last. Losing five in a row for the Oakland A's. I mean, and we kind of talked about, like, with the Rays, how they are regular season winning machines. The A's are kind of like that as well. Exactly. So, like, you got to think, like, that losing streak wasn't going to last. It was a matter of time before they got back. And, and on the flip side, the Yankees have 13 straight wins. Yeah. That's obviously not going to last. It's hard to get mad when you go you have a 13-game win streak in the week. So losing, you know, they lose Saturday and Sunday. And the story in both of them was the offense. Didn't really get it together. Getting shut out in the ninth on Saturday. Probably we'll talk about him later in the show. He's been red hot. Stan had a four-game streak hitting a home run. Both games in Atlanta. One of those games, I think the first two games, in Oakland, so it's nice to see those two who are supposed to be your key contributors in the lineup you know, raking. They were, but all things considered, the Yankees went into the series, actually. I think I just told you this before the show, losing 21 of their last 28 games in Oakland. They never play well in Oakland. It doesn't matter the teams. It doesn't matter on paper anything. It's usually a house of wars for the Yankees. So to sweep all things considered with the week they have before, you'll take it if you're the Yankees. Four and two on the week, you will definitely take it. Yeah, really it's like really a, a tough environment to play in. They barely get any fans yeah. anyways. 8,000 fans. Yeah, eight, eight, the first game. I mean, that's like, that is, that's a real that is, issue. That's real sad. I mean, that's a whole other conversation we can get into, but that is real sad. Yeah. When the Yankees come to Oakland. You expect those to be your big games. Yeah, you know? especially the George local kid. Yeah, no, the way the Yankees have been playing lately, too. I mean, say what you want. I mean, he's still a playoff. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I think 
another follow-up here to you is, you know, some of the, the, the two losses to end the series, and obviously it's maybe a little bit of recency bias because they didn't take the first two, and, and the Braves games were huge. Those were big yeah. wins for them as well, especially without Hopper, the Braves were. But from those two losses, another issue that's come up occasionally, come up, came up a lot in the first half, starting to kind of go away a little bit when Stanton and Judge and some of the regulars have produced more. But the offense sometimes finds a way to continue to slump and, and have games where they put up one, two runs, games where you can't win. And and then, I mean, like, also last night, you see Chad Green go out and kind of blow that game yeah. uh, on Sunday night. So that's my question. And I've asked you this before, but I'm really curious to, to, to get your impression on it. Is it the bullpen or is it the offense that's more of a concern for you going forward? If there is any concern with how well the Yankees have been playing lately. Yeah, it's hard to say, like, if you're going to pick hairs here, you know, you're yeah. going to dissect it. Like, if you have to choose. Um, right well, now, here's the thing. I do want to preface that, too, is I'm looking at this as a concern for the playoffs, which is a, a huge conversation. It's a, a way different conversation versus with the Yankees earlier in the year. It was all about are they even going to get there? Now I'm looking forward to like, okay, I, you know, obviously there's no concern with how they're playing right now, but going forward, come playoff time, when you play those big teams, like even in the AL, like the White Sox or the Astros, what could come back to bite them, I guess, is my question there. Yeah, and it's weird to honestly pick either of them with how they're playing. I know they blow, the bullpen blows the game Sunday, Chad Green, there's over two and over. Tony Kemp, by the way, who hits the home run, he is a complete Yankees killer. He has five homers on the year, three against the Yankees in like wow. six games. Uh, he won a game at the stadium on there. He former won, Astro, right? Former yeah, Astro yeah. on that 2017 team. Yeah. Um, and he stole the game. He had two hits. He pinch hit. He didn't even start the game. He had two hits, including the go-ahead homer. Chad Green gives up the homer. I believe it was his first earned run given up since um, that game versus the White Sox, which was like two weeks ago. So, like, I'm not too concerned with him. I know he's flustered in the big moments a little bit. And the offense was very first half this last game. It was very frustrating to watch. They grounded into three double plays, left a ton on base, sloppy in the field. It was very first half, yeah. first half S for the Yankees. You know, Joey Gallo, he had nine career double plays. He's grounded double plays back to back games. Mm. His first two on the Yankees. So we're there. But I think the lineup will, like, it'll be fine. Um, you know, they two bad games. Like, yeah. the bullpen, too, if you look at this week as a whole, in Atlanta, they really carried them. Mm. They really did their job. Ronnie Peralta still hasn't given up a run this month. Yeah. They play homes, leading the league in ground ball percentage. And those are your guys that aren't even your big guns. Yeah. Chapman, a little bit of concern, and I think that's why I would go bullpen with that question. Yeah. Obviously, the last few games offense, but you saw, you know, he's able to close out the game Friday night, Rolla Chapman, but you saw on – uh, what was it? The second game versus the Braves, he didn't have it. He was not able to get the save. Yeah. A few walks. The stuff is always there, but it's the command. You know, when he's off, he's really off. And that's the concern you have if you're the Yankees. It's like, is it a role this Chapman? Because he's going to be your closer. You're paying him the money. He's the only guy. He's, and it, he's the guy. And it doesn't matter how good Jonathan Loisig is. And I'm like, I'm not really a big closer role to find a guy. I go your highest leverage guy. Yeah. You know, in the biggest situation. But you're saying Chapman it will be Chapman. No, there's no point in even having the conversation because they're yeah. not going to waver. Chapman really have to struggle to put in Loisga full time. Like yeah. Chapman, we saw him struggle early in there. He won the job back. Now he's struggling a little bit since the IL. So the bullpen, I would say, if you have to, and it's not a huge issue. And right now this team is, they're still really like, a, 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 we shouldn't be too negative here. No, they not. still had a really good week. Um, it would be the bullpen though if I had to. The negativity from the New York Mets is like oozing into what I'm talking about here. So I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, Corey Kluber's coming back. That's going to be a big addition. And then also, you know, you kind of prefaced it earlier. Aaron Judge has been having an incredible season, kind of 
you can't really say under the radar for Aaron Judge, radar. but I guess you could say that with, with the year he's been having. Yeah, by far his best, you know, year since the MVP runner-up year. Not even close. The health is one thing, but you know, to be healthy. Yeah, all he's, proved, he's proved people wrong for that. Yeah, that's the thing that a lot of people, you know, yeah. a lot of, like, it was a concern, right? Yeah. Like, he's a year off the contract. People were saying, like, can you pay him the $250 million? Like, if he's, if he's playing half his games. But yeah. this year has been everything. A really hot week overall for him. And if you look at his numbers for the year, you know, he is really like that. He's in that range for third MVP. You're not going to catch a Shohei Otani. No, no, That's just expected. Vladdy, too, has wavered off a little bit here. Aaron Judge, OPS, 920. The batting average, he's not, an, and I'm not an average guy, but he's up to 292, and that's eighth best in the AL. And that's not a guy you ever expect to be near the top. No, we expect him to hit home runs. Yeah. He's getting on base at a ridiculously high rate. 150 weighted runs created plus. He has been that guy. You also look at it, he has to shift to center field here. He's had to shift to center field where he's really not that comfortable in the major leagues. Played a few games in 2018. He's done it seamlessly. He's made some really nice plays this week, really nice at tracking the ball. And that's huge for the Yankees because that lets you have the Death Star lineup, obviously, but Stanton right, Gallo left. So Aaron Judge has been everything that he's expected to be. And it's weird because you mentioned, like, it is a little under the radar. Yeah. I think it's not really getting – the praise it would be if like it was a rookie year or something like that. And maybe that's because other guys in the AL stepped up, but Aaron judge has been that guy the entire season for the Yankees. And when Kluber's back, how does that rotation look? Cause I know you have Bruce Hill, but he's in the minors at the moment. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yes. And he Despite actually, the fact that, I mean, he's been unbelievable. It's just like almost the odd man out there. And Kluber, you got to put him in the, in the starting rotation because you see what he did do in the first half when he was healthy. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a tricky situation. I guess uh, an embarrassment of riches there for the Yankees because their starting rotation this year has just been incredible all year long. And we have the answer because they've actually they moved Luis Gil. So okay. they're going to let him, you know, figure out a triple A because I think he'll be a key contributor yeah. when the rosters expand mm-hmm. in, a few, in a few days. Yeah. But yeah, so they supplemented Corey Kluber for Andrew Heaney. Today, Kluber gets his first start since May. One start removed still from the no-hitter because if you remember, he got hurt in the start after that. Hasn't yes. pitched since. You, you know, in, in AAA, the numbers weren't there, but the stuff was, the command was, so not too much of a concern. He's he's not built up completely. I, I'd expect 60, 80 pitches range. And then Andrew Heaney, who's been in the rotation four or five times, he's also down the bullpen. He's going to piggyback excuse me, off Corey Kluber today. So that's, I think, getting the plan moving forward. Corey Kluber was always getting to get in this rotation. You made a good point. They were never going to remove him. Yeah. Um, and you have Luis Sabrina coming back soon. Yeah. You know, I expect I him and Luis Hill to be multi-inning weapons. And Sevi, I'm really excited to see what he can do for the bullpen because he has like A stuff for the pen. And to have a two or three inning weapon like that down the stretch in September, it could be everything. It could help stretch guys, you could yank guys early. And so I think that's what the rotation is going to be going forward. Tyone this week did not really yeah. – he had by far his worst start um, since, I think, early May, since that Philly start where he got one out. Mm-hmm. Gives up six runs in Oakland. Yankees go up in that first game, 6 nothing, completely blow the lead. And that's a moment where, you know, you first half Yankees, they lose that game. But yeah. the bullpen, again, lights out. And then Aaron Judge, clutch hit in the eighth, yeah. gives them the lead. So I think you the know, differences. It just so clearly shows the differences in this team. It's really night and day. And it's exactly it's Anthony Rizzo, a new guy they got, and this is a little off topic, but just on that Friday game, Anthony Rizzo two out walk. You pinch run him for Tyler Wade, who's been money on this team. He steals second. Yeah, stealing bases is something the Yankees have done. That's that's jump that jump started this team. I feel like not enough teams. I feel like really put any emphasis on that because 
I, I watched, you know, watching the New York Mets a lot, they barely steal bases, if at all. They don't really have a lot of good runners on the team. And I think it does hurt them a lot. I, I think having that little spark from Wade and from Velasquez as well was huge for them. Yeah, and so he still, they, they believe they were last in the AL in the first half to steal the Yankees, and their first in MLB in the second. Still second, and Aaron Judge, you know, just a blooper, that's all you need. They win that game. Yeah. And that's, it's the little things that has made this team, you know, turn around. Yeah. But yeah, just back to the rotation. Um, you know, it is going to be it's crazy. We see he's getting up for one in three career starts, and now we can't crack his spot. And he gets pushed to the bullpen. And now he's going to be pushed to the bullpen. So it is an embarrassment of riches. It's something the Yankees haven't had in this kind of run, this era, this last four or five years, which yeah. is why I think a lot of people look at you know potential October and have the most optimism. Maybe not the best team. You know, it won't be the best team record wise, but the pitching is by far the best it's ever been. So before we shift to the match, real briefly. You mentioned just before we came on, you had an announcement about the about the division and your thoughts on the New York Yankees to win the division. Let me hear them. Okay. Thanks for getting out of here. All right. I had to get it out of you. This last week and a half, it's made a lot of people, I think, realize. And the math will still be there. And I know some Yankee fans saying, let's keep hope. You know, the Rays and Red Sox have six games in the next 10 days. That could maybe get them back in it. So it might be a different conversation next week. But when you're coming off a 13-game win streak, you know, let's just take the last 15 games. They lost the last two, obviously. In those 15 games where they're 13-2, and two, they have gained zero games yeah. in the Rays. The Rays refuse to lose. I mean, it seems like they play the Orioles every day, but no complaining there because the Yankees have six more games against the Orioles and every you know, play them the same amount. Yeah. But the Rays just don't lose games. And you really realize it here. You know, they are just as hot as the Yankees somehow. And this was the stretch where if, if the Yankees won 13 games – and you told me that after the Field of Dreams game, I'd say they're probably winning the division. Maybe they're two games out. Yeah. Let's get it to three by September. They weren't able to do so. They're now six back mm. after these back-to-back losses. And I just don't think – I don't see the Rays faltering enough to where the Yankees can get it. One thing the Yankees have going for them is that last series in the year we previewed. But can they even get it to cut it to three games by then? Because they just yeah. went 13-2 and two and didn't cut it yeah. a game. So, yeah, division likely out of play. But this team is really built for a one wild card with Garrett Cole. I think yeah. that's – that's the thing they haven't had in recent years. You've been holding your breath a little bit with Luis Severino going out there, going a third of an inning. Um, and, you know, he's been shaking the class, whatever. But, yeah, so it looks like this team is, like, destined for a wild card, hopefully at home. Yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously incredible considering where the Yankees were and everything we've talked about with them. I've I've been on the Rays, you know, and that kind of reminds me of the, the Giants and Dodgers out west. Very the Dodgers, yeah. I think they won like 16 of 18 or something crazy like that. It's, it's similar. very similar. They gained like a game, game and a half in the Giants. Right. Just showing how dominant they've been. And it's so. the same thing because the Yankees and Dodgers have infinitely more talent than yeah. the Rays and Giants. Yeah. But that's not how baseball always works. And you see those two teams, the most analytical in baseball, um, they're able to just win games. Yeah. And it's, it is really ridiculous miraculous, really, that Yankees and Dodgers will very likely both be in wildcard games. Yep. So let's shift to the Mets here. Uh, let's do it. You can tell my enthusiasm and excitement when I say that. Um, I had the pleasure of covering five straight uh, New York That's Mets awesome. games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to complain here because it's obviously an incredible experience getting to meet some really cool people. But on the field and the action I'm watching, certainly not uh, – Ideal, at least that giant series, they get swept. They lose game one, eight, nothing. They come back and lose two one-run games, which is seemingly what they've just done all during the stretch. They've lost so many one-run games, seven, I think, in the stretch of Giants and Dodgers, showing that the Mets can hang around with these teams, but hanging around with them and beating them is a different story. 
Um, and they haven't been able to do that. And then coming into the national series, uh, they did take two out of three, which was big. They lost game one, another one run loss. And that uh, was, was kind of seemingly the nail in the coffin or, or one of many nails in the coffin yeah. for the Mets. It just keeps coming. Um, but then, of course, they were able to win back-to-back games. The offense did break out on Sunday, which was nice. It was big. Javi Baez homered, um, something that you really needed, maybe a little bit of a spark. Um, so, but for me, I, I think the way that the, the Mets did play over that, you know, uh, the, you know, that stretch with the Dodgers and Giants, I don't want to get into it too much because we have talked about it before, but, and I've talked about it plenty on all my post-game reports, is the <laughs> lack of getting that big hit. They struggled with runners in scoring position. The pitching has been really great. And it's almost a shame that this pitching has been wasted on, on an offense that just hasn't had it all year. Um, they've been hiding behind Jacob DeGrom and an incredibly dominant pitching staff. The pitching's still been really good. You know, Tyler McGill's been incredible. Stroman's been really, really solid. Even Tywon Walker has really picked things up lately. A lot of people thought his season was done. He found a way to pick things up and play better baseball, which credit to him, really. Carrasco even has had a better start uh, lately, and, and he seems to at least kind of get his feet under him as he's just coming back um, this season in his first, you know, four or five starts of the year. And it's just a shame that it's really been wasted. And then you have Syndergaard supposedly coming back, although I think he just tested positive for COVID. So, I mean, we'll see how long that'll be. But it, it's a shame that that pitching staff and that opportunity that come playoff time, you just take that pitching staff and you think this team is really built for October. And then you look at the lineup and everything that they've failed to be, um, you know, guys just having down years all across the board. I mean, even Pete Alonso has been one of the best Mets hitters. His, his, his homers have been slightly down from what you expect because he's an incredible power hitter and you expect a lot of homers from him. You got a lot of homers in 2019 from him. I know this year's a different year, but those numbers have been down a little. Other than him, that's the one guy you really can't get from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and maybe even Brandon Nimmo as well. He's had a good year. Two guys in that lineup are are the only two that you you can't complain on. And then everyone else is just having incredible down years. Conforto, I mean, he's been better lately. Lindor, Bias has been better lately. But these guys have just down years through and through, and that's the reason they are where they are. Um, And, you know, Okay, you went two out of three from the Nationals. That's nice. Um, but it, it seems like t- too little too late here, uh, I think, is just the obvious thing to say with the Mets. Yeah, in your little rant there, and yeah. you kept your composure. I, I did. commend you for that. I've, I've moved from, like, uh, anger to acceptance at this point. Like, I've accepted that the season's been over. I texted Andrew Galata um, from, from FUV, a big Mets fan. I texted him. I think it was right before the Giants series. And I said, you know, the season's over. I, I called it officially. Um, and since then, they went on and, and got swept by the, uh, by the Giants. Is yes, this your they, first episode since? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah this is my first deal, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I hadn't really, you know, <laughs> publicly announced that. But, um, yeah, and then from then, they got swept by the Giants. So I, it kind of proved me right there, unfortunately. But I moved on to kind of just acceptance of the year. No, um, and I was just saying, I could really see where it became that moment. Um, the, the 2-1 loss, the Nationals. Sam does a brilliant job with this post-game, of course. <laughs> and you could see the pain in his eyes, yeah. his face, yeah. having to just get it out there while the inevitable was there. Yeah. You know, in your in your little thing there, you kept saying it's a shame the pitching. It's a shame that – it's just a shame. Yeah. It really is that this year was wasted, and it's completely over. Last show, I said they could win the division. I said they could win the division. It's 
It's like it's so frustrating because it has been in reach for a while. But the, for a while. but the well, yeah, the free fall. I, I just thought about this. It was on SNY on the broadcast, so I'm sure Mets fans have seen this. But it was a month, so July 28th to August 28th. So it's a couple of days ago. The Mets were up five games on the Braves on July 28th, and they were eight and a half back of the Braves on August 28th. That's like almost. That's, that's like almost impossible. That's hard to do. Yeah, that's like incredibly difficult to do. You have to go out of your own way. Really. And it's not like the Mets are being blown out in those games. Like, I mean, we've talked about this so much, but they're not. Like, they're losing so many one-run games. Yeah. They're not getting the hit when they need to, and that's what makes it even more frustrating. The Giants, you know, obviously, like, to expect a rattling off a ton of wins was unrealistic. No, definitely not. I know Dylan said that he was good with 68 wins. Mm-hmm. You go 2-11. and 11. Yeah. Seven number one-run losses, to your point. But there's no brownie points for that. No. And Louis Rojas, I think he was said post game like they they take a little bit of pride or something. And not all these games are blowouts, but like it doesn't matter. They all go in as losses. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter if you're losing close. And obviously the runners are in position like historically bad yeah. numbers. I think they're under 200 for the year with uh, bases loaded. Yeah. Two for 21 in August as of a few days ago. I haven't checked since. Probably up now because yeah. I think since the All Star break, their average is about. 150, maybe, maybe just under. I know it's under 200. I mean, those are supposed to be your biggest, like, those are your biggest at bats. Those yeah. are where you blow games yeah. open. And that's just mind blowing. Like, under 200, that's absolutely mind blowing. It's a miracle they're winning any games. Like, I mean, the offense does break out on Sunday, which is nice. You love seeing that. But it is the Washington Nationals, a team that you should probably sweep. The one saving grace, I guess, the one reason Mets fans did have hope was the fact that after this gauntlet of a stretch of 13 straight, you had 15 straight against the Nats and Marlins, 15 games in a row. And if they win each series, I mean, I don't think it makes them – it doesn't, you know, obviously it doesn't jump them to first place in the NL East, but I guess it could bring them back to somewhat relevancy for for the month of – And the Braves, too. Sorry to cut you off. They play the Dodgers and Giants coming up. They also have the Yankees. And the Yankees in the last bowl. Yeah. That was your window yeah. to justify it. But once they got swept by the Yankees and they didn't lose a game, the Mets didn't get a game on them, it looked bad. Yeah, so I said they would win the division if they won that series against the Giants. Obviously, that didn't happen. They got swept. So it's completely over. I, I think one thing, too, and I think you mentioned this on one-on-one, and, I'm, and I totally agree with you because it was a Mets-Brave series right before the deadline. Yes, and, I did mention that. And six games, not I, one series. No, I think it was. I think it was five. Okay. So, but it was like a makeup game. So it was a. It was a long series. It was. It was a long series. I remember. And I was covering most of them. And I was thinking, yeah, this is a really good they chance. Were, they had a chance to. If they won a the game. They were up nine games. Yeah, they would put them away. Completely put them away. The Braves would have been sellers at the deadline. Yeah. Instead, I mean, they already had Jock Peterson, but, but that's not. That's not a big move on its own, anyway. So. Then they go out and get Solaire, which I think was a great move for them. He's yeah, he's been huge for them. And um, Adam Duvall, yeah, think robbed the home run to win the game. Yeah. And that was Peterson, oh, another was, addition from yeah, the deadline. So yeah. it's like, yeah, no, no, and I talked about that too, but they really had a chance to bury them. And that was kind of a story of the first half. They would have really good weeks, really good series, even against like good teams. Like they would take, you know, two out of three from the Padres or two out of three from the Brewers. Really good series that make you optimistic. Like, okay, this Mets team is good. Like, you know, sure, the offense isn't great, but the pitching is dominant and the offense was doing enough to maybe get that big hit once in a while and win those games. And, but the issue was they couldn't really put the division to rest completely. They kept letting these teams hang around just barely. And it was early enough where 
yeah, they gained the hope. The Braves went and got better at the deadline, and then all of a sudden, the Mets did not. And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, here we go for the for the uh, for the Braves, and it showed. I mean, it should, especially it was like I, I know they. I think they only won. I'm not sure. They might have won two out of three against the Giants. Uh, the Braves did, or maybe it was just one out of those three games. But the game they did win. It was Solaire with a huge homer yeah. and Jock Peterson robbing the homer, or almost like it was certainly robbing extra bases to end the game. And I told you this, and I said it on my post-game report. It's showing what a, de- a good deadline does to a team. It, yeah. it excites them. The Mets just came from getting swept by the Giants. And the Braves come into it. I really don't think the Braves are that much better of a team than the Mets especially are. Especially with the injuries. The team yeah, especially with the injuries. I mean, maybe full full strength, yes, they are a better team. But right now, they, I don't think you can really say that. Maybe you can make the argument yeah. how well they're playing. Yeah. But it just shows, like, a, a positive deadline. I mean, we just talked the Yankees. We've talked that plenty. Positive deadline can change a team completely. The Mets didn't really have it. I mean, there was there was concern around Javi Baez. It didn't really seem like the best move. And then he goes out and gets hurt. Sure, he's producing now, and, he, and he's been better. Um, you know, hitting homers, and he's actually been pretty good since he came off the IL. Uh, he's been hitting pretty well, but it just wasn't really that like lightning bolt. It wasn't really that move, or even like maybe it didn't have to be a huge move like that. I mean, sure, like Chris Bryant, I think would have changed a lot and been really, really good for the team. But you could also made a couple, two or three supplementary moves and really just shown that we're going after this. And instead, they decided the ground might not come back this year. We don't want to lose the division. I mean, I mean, not that. It's like we don't want to put it all in this year if Degrom's not going to be healthy, and oh, we're going to lose in the in the in the playoffs anyway. It's just a terrible that mindset to have. Like terrible mindset to have, and they went out and decided to do that. And I want to talk about one more thing with the Mets recently. So the one game I don't go to. I mean, I I, I didn't I didn't cover Sunday's game, and then of course that's the one game where all these guys. Okay, put that down. Put that down. The the one game, if you can't see, uh, Ryan just put the thumbs down. So that's what we're 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 going to get to. But the one game I don't cover, of course, is uh, in the post-game press conference. A huge deal for the media when when Javi Baez is talking about um, the thumbs down when when the Mets do, which I've seen occasionally. They don't don't get a lot of big hits, but they do get the occasional big hit. And when they do, I guess they put the thumbs down. Somebody asked about why they did that. With credit to whoever asked about that, because I, I... wouldn't have really even thought about that. And they said they were booing the fans, essentially, because the fans were booing them. And, Ryan, I know you're probably passionate about this and you have opinions, so I'll let you go first. Oh, what, do you, what, what do you think about this? Yeah, I promised a few of my Mets. Going up to the podcast stand, we said, please be easy on the Mets. I said, yeah. I'm not going to do that. But I'll be easy on the fans because I actually, like, I feel their sympathy because right now there's really no one you can side on in this. The fans have – I'm always for fans booing. Yeah. You know, you pay your hard-earned money. You work your day, you go to a ball game, the players don't show up. But it's not even just that. That's not even the conversation I'm yeah. gonna have because it's the response to that is if you're in the MLB, like you should be able to take it. You're a professional, you're an adult, you're not a kid. And it's like the booing, it'd be one thing if they use it as a rally cry to actually win games. Yeah. And the thumbs down thing, it's eerily similar. The 2017 Yankees noted had a thumbs down thing. That was in response to a fan, a Mets fan who went to a Yankees Rays game. At City Field, Yankees had a big home run. He put the thumb down. That became a rallying cry. The team just rattled off a ton of wins after that. This just it, spe- it reeks like not desperation, but it's like the thing that I feel bad with the Mets is they can't just they can't just collapse and lose. There has to be another element. There has to be, and I see a lot of fans saying this isn't even a top twenty like awful incident. You know, I don't want to just be like an LOL Mets guy, but this is textbook example of that. Time and time again. And so you mentioned Javi Baez. 
says in the post game, we're booing the fans and everything. Was it him, Lindor? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so no, all, apparently all the players do it. I've seen Lindor and Bias do it. We'd, we'd probably be singing well. more if the Mets were actually getting big hits, you know, the last few weeks. And so it took this long. Who knows how long ago they started it. And then the Mets, in response, if you don't say anything, it probably isn't a bigger story. Stanley Alderson issues a press release. It's the first time he's spoke since he yeah. whipped on the deadline. A guy that's, that's certainly had a lot of calls for his job, and I think rightfully so. With what and he's could done. it have been more toned down? Like, I, I, you don't ever want to – you know, I, Mets fans don't really know who to support here because you're not going to support the players booing you. No. And rightfully so. They've been terrible. You have every reason to boo them. Like, it's not even just that, but – you have every reason to be upset with the play. Yeah. And for Mets fans to be like, don't be upset, don't boo, it's ridiculous. If you don't want them to boo, win games. Don't yeah. lose a five-game lead yeah. in a month, and now you're down eight games. It's very simple. We talked about it. it's hard to do what the Mets just did in a bad fashion. Just don't do that, and they won't be booing. The press release by Sandy Alderson says they support the fans and everything. But that, obviously, now you have front office rift. That's shocking. Front office rift with the players. You have Taiwan Walker tweeting laughing emojis. You know, you already, like, the relationships are already rocky. Marcus Stroman with the media. Like, there's so many different elements here to where, for Sammy Olsen to do that and to not speak in so long, and this is where you come out? Like, are you kidding me? This is where you say you support the fans? Is he trying to save face with the fans? Like, I think it backfired. Because fans, you know, I asked one of my good friends, like, who are you supporting here? For sure not the players, he said. But you can't support Sandy Alderson for what he did to this team. They had a real shot here. He completely whiffed on it. You know, he's a Wilpon holdover. And it's very, like, the new ownership doesn't it doesn't just change things. I think that's what we've learned. It wasn't just a flip yeah. switched with Steve Cohen, especially when you rehire a Wilpon guy. And, um, you know, he's tweeting, too. Like, he had a joke yesterday. I remember when black jerseys were the biggest controversy. And it's just like, what are you doing here? His most recent tweet before that's ripping the players. He's like, look at the OPS and slugging. Well, you traded for a guy who doesn't have a great OPS and hobby bias, doesn't walk, not analytical at all. That was your number one move. So maybe you should have got out and got these guys, Steve Cohen. I mean, it really is just like, it's pathetic, as you put it. It really is. The story would have blown over, I think, in a few days if if they just, the players said that and whatever, it's what they're doing. I really do think it wouldn't be. The big story is now, but for Sam Olsen to release that press release, make it a huge deal when it didn't need to be, was just ridiculous. And there's no really positive spin zone you can do. Great points for sure. And with Cohen, I, I think he's going to make a lot of changes Me too. this offseason. I really do. He has to. He has to, and I think he definitely will. Um, the one thing you can't criticize him for, and I think, is he wants to win. He does really want to win, and he promised mm-hmm. uh, this fan base, he promised everyone a championship. Here's the one thing I'll say, though. Yeah. If you keep Louis Rojas and Sammy Alderson, that doesn't say a lot about yeah. what you want. I, I, I don't I, – I think I think Sandy and uh, Zach Scott, the GM, I think uh, probably should be gone. Um, Louis is great for uh, the players. I mean, there is – I know, like, people hate, like, you know, clubhouse or chemistry, but this isn't bad. It's more like a player's manager that does help mm-hmm. teams win. Um, sure. He does make some questionable, move, questionable this, moves in-game. We really sure. get into them. He pulled a few starters and all he yeah. back. Yeah, no, he, yeah. So there's certainly, I, that's why I can understand him going a different direction. But at the same time, you know, maybe you do keep him around. But what's bigger, I think, is, is Scott and Sandy Alderson. But anyway, personally, I am against booing my own team. I always have been. I never have, ever. I've been to a lot of baseball games. I've never booed anyone on my own team because I know, I don't know. And, but I did play a little baseball and I understand how, 
how hard this game is. It is an incredibly difficult game, and it's filled with slumps. Guys go through it. And the last thing they want to hear is their own fans, 30,000, 40,000 people turning on them. So I don't boo personally. But with the way the Mets have been playing lately, in certain instances, I can kind of understand it with how bad they've been. So I do kind of get it. And I get the frustration. There are instances where it's too much. I went to, you know, the first Nationals game, which is obviously a pitiful game, terrible game. They lose two to one. Just about every at-bat, the Mets fans are booing their players, which is a lot. I mean, that's a lot. If, if you're really that dissatisfied, leave the game. Like, like no one is paying you. Like, you are paying to be here. I understand being frustrated. But if you're that upset and you're booing everyone one through nine in the lineup, just leave at that point. That's not the issue. What the issue is, is I understand you. First of all, as a player, you come to New York, you expect something like Mets that. Mets fans, let me just Mets fans are passionate. Yes. You have to yes. give it to them. Yes. They will cheer for you really loud and they will boo for you really loud. Yeah. And you have to know that coming into New York. When you Yes, when you come to New York as a player, you know they're passionate fans and you know they're going to get on you if you're not doing your job, if you're not doing well. You know that. And what you have to do is not think about it. As a player, you have to be able to block the fans out. And the fact that they're thinking about the fans this much is a perfect example of why they're losing games. Because good teams don't do this. Good teams, okay, sure, maybe they let the booze say, motivate them, like you said. They let them get to them and say, okay, you know, these fans are really annoyed, but we're not playing good baseball. So, I mean, we have to do something about that on the field. Some players, like, and this is a, I just saw this tweet. It was from, like, an article in 2006, like, Yankees were like under 500 in mid-April. Gita went over four. He got booed a ton. Yeah. I mean, he was just like, you know, when we play bad, I thought I'm all for it. Like it's part of the game, and people and players know that this isn't this isn't any of their first instances. Yeah, I exactly. think that's an important thing. And it's like you know, it's part of signing up to be a major league player, whether you do it or not. People are going to do it regardless, yeah. and you just you you can't really like let it control kind of everything that it's controlling. Yeah. And that's, that's my take is like, I can't control like what 40,000 people do. Like, obviously mm-hmm. like, okay, they're going to boo. I, I can't do anything about that. Whether I do it or not, it doesn't matter. What I can say though, is the players need to handle this completely differently. I mean, you can't let this get to you to this extent. Like the thumbs down is just showing like how much it's affecting your day to day and maybe affecting the reasons they're losing these games, which is terrible. It's, it's really terrible because as a professional athlete in New York, part of what you have to deal with is blocking out the distractions and playing the game on the field. And, and I, I think that there's something to be said about that. And the fact that these Mets cannot do that, I think, shows just some of the problems with this team. They're kind of pointing their fingers and they're point, playing the blame game, which I don't like either because the responsibility is on them. Uh, the responsibility is on these hitters for not producing. And that's the bottom line. The fans are going to do what the fans are going to do. None of the players can control that. What they can control is having a good attitude, going about it every day, and trying to win baseball games. That's really all that they can control. And that's why I come and defend Louis at times, because he really does preach that. He preaches about taking it day by day, having better approaches, better at-bats. They're not coming, but he's preaching that still. He's really preaching that day-by-day attitude, which is what the players have to have. They can't think about it like... I mean, it's not working. Yeah, no, it's not working, but they can't think about it like we went 2-11 and during the stretch. We can't, like, you know, you can't, like... As a player, you can't be that negative. You have to go day by day and say, I need to have a better day today because that's what gets you better. But by thinking about the fans and all their boos and letting that get to you, I think you really are being negative and, and associating with, like, we're going to boo you back. Well, I just – I don't like the move. I, I don't like it at all from that perspective. I have one question for you. Yeah, what's up? I'm curious. Who do you side with? 
I don't side with anyone. I, I hate to be like a cop-out, but I don't side with the fans because I don't think booing the, the players is a good thing. But I don't side with the players because they're handling it completely wrong. I mean, I don't. I didn't like what Sandy said either. Like, <laughs> you brought up great points on that. I think, like, I really didn't like what he said. He hasn't done his job this year, and to come out and say that is just completely tearing the organization apart. I mean, they already are losing, so it doesn't matter as much. It's not like they're if they're in first it adds place. to the fire. Though. It does. It it certainly does. If they're in first place, this would be like a huge issue because, like, why would you say something like that? Maybe he is just saying it because they. You know, well, they're not playing the yeah. That's very true. I guess you wouldn't do. I don't. I really don't side with anyone. Um, I, I think it's a terrible situation all around. I hate to. I think I'm just letting your negativity get to me, but it's hard not to with the way the Mets have been playing. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up, though. Uh, it's, yeah. been, it's been a good show. We just did Mets Yankees. Normally we have a third topic, but there's a lot going on uh, with New York sports, and whenever it's a, it, whenever something's going bad, it does dominate the conversation. It does take a while to talk about. Um, but the Yankees have been playing great baseball lately. And as a Red Sox fan and you're a Yankees fan, I think we can both say we would be incredibly excited for a Red Sox-Yankees one-game wild card. Um, it would be electric. So let's hope that that happens on an optimistic side to end the show here. Um, but this has been Nosebleed's WFUV's baseball podcast. I'm Sam Davis with Ryan Draper. He's giving the thumbs down as we sign off here. Have a good night. And enjoy watching some baseball this weekend.